Merry Christmas, y'all. What Pacers players are in the mix for awards this season? There's actually four awards that the Pacers are in the mix for, according to the betting odds. Plus, Pacers Rockets tonight and the Mad Ants, including great play from Jarris Walker, going a great run in the winter showcase. We have a lot to talk about all on today's Locked On Pacers podcast. You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Tuesday, y'all. Hope you had a great Christmas. And welcome into another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers, as always. My name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and SI. And today, first and foremost, yes, still on the road. So if you're watching and can see that I am in a different place that doesn't look as good, or if you can hear and it doesn't sound as good, still on the road uh, in over in Illinois. But hopefully everything comes through okay and it's Christmas Day for me. LeBron James and Jalen Brown just collided in the Lakers Celtics game and we're going to talk about the Pacers instead of either of those players. Pacers back playing tonight for those of you listening in Houston against the Rockets. I want to talk about that in the second segment. I want to talk about about the Mad Ants in the third segment who just had a nice G League showcase run. Jarris Walker named to the all showcase team for his solid performance but we will lead off with something that I saw a different Locked On show do and now I can't remember. Uh, Something that I want to check in on two months into the season which is awards. Are any Pacers in the mix for any end of season awards and could anybody actually win anything? For those of you who remember when I did the award show preview with Shane, my most my predicted best chance award win for the Pacers was Buddy Heald to win sixth man of the year. Uh, whoops. <laughs> not only is Buddy Heald probably not playing well enough to win that award, even if he was coming off the bench, uh, the current odds-on favorite for sixth man of the year is Austin Reeves, who's playing well for the Lakers. Uh, but Buddy Heald's starting, <laughs> and has started more than he hasn't. So he's also illegal illegally eligible for set awards. So that was a miss from me. But the Pacers do have four guys who, according to our lovely friends at FanDuel, are doing well in their pursuit of these awards. Uh, MVP, people talked early in the season about Halburn being in the mix for this. He's not in the top six in odds. I don't think he should be. He's their only guy with a chance, but I don't think anybody finds it realistic that he would win it. He's never been as good as Embiid or Jokic this year. That's fine. He's in the top 10 to 15 players this season, but he's not in the MVP conversation. The rookie of the year, Jarris and Ben Shepard, obviously not playing enough. We will talk a lot about Jarris Walker today. He was good in the Showcase Cup. Uh, and then defensive player of the year, no one on the crappy Pacers defense is going to be winning defensive player of the year. For my votes, uh, MVP would be Jokic. Rookie of the year would be Chet. Uh, although Victor Wembanyama is right there. I think people are sleeping on how close that is. And defensive player of the year would be Gobert. I know, so controversial to me. But every other award that is con- conventional or is new in the case of one of these, uh, the Pacers have someone in the mix, which I think is very interesting as the season progresses and could have winners for all of them. Uh, the the most interesting one to me is most improved player because the, the leader is the guy who I think is going to win and the guy I predicted would win before the season, and that's Tyrese Maxey, who has ascended from, oh, this guy's really good to like, oh my gosh, this guy's an all-star and a reason the Sixers can change directions and think differently about their team. And he should win, right? His raw improvement from, you know, good player to great player is fantastic. Tyrese Halburn's in this range. He is currently fifth in FanDuel's odds. Maxie's first, Alperen Shengun, who the Pacers will see tonight, is second. Kobe White's third. Scotty Barnes is fourth. And then Halliburton 
The thing about this award is interesting. There's a couple ways to look at it that I think are fascinating. One is like more improvement, right? If you go from bad to average, right? Or like really bad to average. That's a big amount of improvement. Like Camp Thomas is six. That's kind of what he's done. That's still helpful. But going from good to great, while it's like a smaller amount of improvement, is way more significant and harder to do and impactful for a team. And Halliburton has done like great to really great, which is even harder, but is a smaller jump. So it's kind of a definition of the award kind of thing for most improved. Uh, But Tyrese Maxey has jumped from good to really great. uh, So he's kind of skipped a step there. So Halliburton's been... One of the most improved players in the league, certainly. Going from like a, oh, this is like an end of all-star ballot kind of guy to like, oh, this is one of the best 10 players in the NBA. That's a big jump. That changes the paces of the Fortune franchise, how they think about their season, how they think about their long-term future. But I don't think he's going to win because of what Maxi is doing. I think Halburn's better, but I think he started at a higher point than Tyrese Maxi, and that's not a knock on either player. Um, but for Halburn to win this, he would just have to crack into probably like the top five or three players uh, to max Maxi's level of growth and importance of it for the franchise. But Halburn certainly is probably going to finish in the top five for this award, especially if he continues to play like he did on Saturday. He was much better in that game against the Magic, even though the team did not bounce back in the same way. Halburn's maybe most likely award win is clutch player. He's already had some clutch plays, including on the biggest stage against the Bucks. Uh, he had some clutch plays last year. Clutch player of the year, the second year of the award. De'Aaron Fox won it last year. He's not on the top six. The current ballot top six is Damian Lillard, who's always going to be in the mix for this. LeBron James, Tyrese Halburn, Steph Curry, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, and Luka Doncic. If the Pacers keep doing pretty well uh, in the clutch, then Halburn will have a chance at this. This one is kind of results-oriented, which is kind of unfair because clutch play is so finicky from year to year, right? It doesn't really, like, De'Aaron Fox being an amazing clutch player last year doesn't mean he will be this year or that the Kings will be this year. Uh, but the Pacers have been a pretty solid clutch team. They're 8-5 and five in clutch games. They're plus 24.1 net rating, and the clutch is fourth in the league. The Kings, remember, who were unbelievable in the clutch last year with De'Aaron Fox, uh, are 10th in clutch net rating and are 7-4 and four in clutch games. So it's not that predictive. The team with the best clutch net rating in the league is 6-5 and five in clutch games, right? So it's not predictive. It's really tough to see how it works out. But Halliburton, obviously, some big moments this season. Big leader in the clutch. The Pacers' offense in the clutch is the best in the NBA. They don't get bogged down in those moments like they used to. That's really important for them. And they've had 13 clutch games uh, out of 28 played so far. So they're in those moments often. So him being good in those moments is very important. They happen all the time. I think it's critical for the Pacers uh, and for Halbert that he continues to play that well in those moments. So it's it's very possible that he could get in this one. Um, you need moments, right? Luke, uh, excuse me, Fox had a lot of them last year for the Kings, and they won a lot. They had a really good winning percentage. But you need moments, and you need your team to be good consistently. Uh, the Bucks certainly have been uh, fantastic in the clutch this year when they've needed to be. Uh, the Pacers have been as well. We will see how that continues as the season goes along because, again, this isn't always the most predictive thing. The Bucks, though, I think, as it stands, should have the winner. They're 12-4 and four in clutch games. So, Talburn could win this one. He's top three for a reason. He's got some work to do, though. Dame's certainly a good choice for the winner. Sixth man of the year. No one on the list for the Pacers. Um, but I would like to submit someone, and that's Aaron Neesmith, who has maybe been the Pacers. This has been a talking point on Pacers Twitter recently, one of their best three, four players this season. I mean, consistency has been missing at times, but at his best, certainly 
You know, it's making his threes, important defensive player. Uh, he's been really important for them, and he plays a ton of minutes, right? He's, he's going to approach, you know, 25 minutes per game, 26 minutes. I mean, over his last several uh, on the season, he's at 24.8, which is about what he was at last year when he was a starter for the Pacers. And that accounts for recent games where, you know, 27, 27, 23, 26, 26. Like he's well over that in most of the games. A lot of his minutes are held down from early season performances where he was below, you know, 20. So I think he's got a shot to continue to climb up this because he's going to play a lot and because he's so important to the Pacers. Many people argue he should be starting for the Pacers. Um, their rotation balance certainly could use a tweak, I think. I don't know if that necessarily means changing a starting lineup, but uh, I, I think he should be playing as often as you can get him out there. He's been valuable on both ends, and I would have him in the top six myself, which means I have to kick somebody out. Uh, and for me, it would be Malik Monk, even though he's been amazing for the Kings. Uh, and the last one the Pacers are on the ballot for is Coach of the Year. Rick Carlisle is currently fourth at plus 1,600. Chris Finch is first. Mark Dagnalt second. Those are the clear top two to me. Chris Finch has the Minnesota Timberwolves in first place. Mark Dagnalt would have got my vote for Coach of the Year last year and has been better this year. Mosley's third, which also makes sense. The Magic look great. And then Carlisle is fourth. Carlisle's odds certainly have keep falling as the Pacers have fallen out of this very impressive run they had early in the season. If they can continue to show they can beat anybody, he's going to stay in these conversations. But if they keep showing they can lose to anybody, he's not going to be the top candidate or in the top three candidates. I find it hard to believe he would win if the Pacers finished the season at 500. <laughs> uh, they would have to get to at least probably 48 wins to me. So they've got to go on a better run than this, and they've got to straighten their things out. Being a 500 team is not going to cut it in that area. I don't expect him to win this one, but he certainly was in the mix when they were like 13-8 and eight and beating a lot of the top teams in the East. That luster, though. Uh, has dipped away a little bit. We have more to discuss about the Pacers. They play the Houston Rockets tonight on the road. I want to talk about the Rockets, and then I want to talk about the Maddens, and Jarris Walker playing pretty well. I'll have a story on that in the next couple days before we talk about any of that. We're going to talk about the lovely people, our partners, eBay Motors, who have teamed up with Lockdown Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week all season long. Whether you're prepping for a daily draft or scouring the waiver wire each week, we are going to provide you with players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. So let's see who Josh has picked out for us on this week's eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. You've got to check out Tari Eason, who plays the Pacers tonight, coming off the bench for the Rockets, but that's who comes in and battles. It doesn't matter if he's coming off the bench. Ime Udoka is going to find minutes for him because he gets rebounds. He makes plays on defense. And he's a strong fantasy value per minute option who becomes useful to everyone as his minutes tick up. Braden Pajemski with the Warriors, who had a nice Christmas game, is another one on here. James Wiseman, who the Pacers saw last week with the Pistons, as well as Grayson Allen uh, and Malachi Branham with the Spurs, are the ones that Josh Lloyd is looking at this week. And he, over at Locked On Fantasy Basketball, can help you win your fantasy championship while eBay Motors knows a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit, that is the same with your vehicle. Every part has to fit just right. Remember your first car or your what is your dream car? You have to keep that thing running and you need to upgrade it the way that you want or else it won't be your dream car or it won't be something you have such a fond memory of. I went to scrapyards to make sure my first car was running as long as possible, but eBay Motors would have been very helpful for me because with over 122 million parts, for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay's guaranteed fit, it's guaranteed 
to fit your ride the first time, every time, or you'll get your money back. How about that? Plus, at those prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Back here on Locked On Pacers, thanks for making us your first listen today and every single day. For your second listen, check out any of the teams that are playing on Christmas. Recap what happened on Christmas Day, which some around the world view as the opening day of the NBA season. NFL's winding down. Only two more weeks of the NFL regular season. Colts probably need to win both. So check out Lakers, Celtics, Knicks, Bucks, whatever. Those are the four teams that have played already uh, or are playing in the case of the Lakers and Bucks or any of the rest of the games. Uh, Warriors and Nuggets have already played as well. There's lots for you to check out today. And Locked On NBA, we have every single team covered with a daily podcast. On the Pacers show, where you are right now, we're talk about their game tonight against the Rockets, their first game against the Rockets this season. And when you think about young ascending teams in the league, the Pacers, the Magic, get in there, the Cavs get talked about a lot. The Rockets don't get enough love. The Thunder get in that, although they're, they're, they're a scent. They're done. The Rockets don't get that kind of talk, which is weird to me because they are certainly this. They're young, and they're ascending, and quite frankly, they're already good. They are already good because they can freaking defend. Basketball references defensive rating, which is does a little bit of estimation, has them as the second-best defense in the NBA. Their net rating, again, basketball reference numbers, but this is still close to accurate, eighth in the league, right? That's technically a team that could make the second round. Like They're really good because they defend so well. Now, their offense stinks, 22nd in offense. Well, it doesn't stink. That's a stretch. Uh, it needs some more consistency, certainly. But that's a good team. They're very disciplined. Ime Udoka's done a great job. They've had some rough clutch luck, like their net rating says they should be like 17 and 10. They're a good team. The Rockets are not going to be a pushover for the Pacers, despite being a young team and despite being up and down. They had a three-game losing streak last week, and they absolutely exploded out, out of it, beating the Mavs. And Pelicans, who are good teams, right? So they've struggled. Their thing is they've struggled on the road and been good at home. But they're a solid squad. They've done a good job building the right team. they got good vets to fill out around their young guys. And all of a sudden, they're a credible group. And this is, at least in terms of net ratings, the type of team that has given the Pacers fits. Really good defensive groups that don't play particularly fast and really want to methodically make the game tough. No fun to play. The Magic... And they're good defense. The Celtics and their good defense. The Lakers and their good defense. Those are some of the hardest games for the Pacers this whole season. The Pacers did better against the Magic this weekend. But like in terms of their worst losses or games where they look the most helpless at times, those are some of the teams that have done that to them. Really high-quality defenses are tough for the Pacers because anybody can score against the Pacers, but the Pacers haven't proven they can score against anybody even though they have the best offense. They have some down-ish offensive games. The Grizzlies just held them to their lowest point total last Thursday. So the Rockets are going to be an interesting opponent to me. The thing that stands out big picture about this game, looking at the Rockets, is how important the possession game is going to be, right? The Rockets on defense have the second best opponent effective field goal percentage. Basically, they force you to miss, or at least from an efficiency perspective, they force you to miss at the second best rate of anybody in the league, 50.4% on shots. That's very good. They also grab misses. They're fifth in the league in rebounds per game. They're sixth in defensive rebound rate. So... They're going to force you into misses or at least inefficient shots that don't go in. And then they're going to get the miss and start their own possession. So their offense isn't great, but that's a lot of transition opportunities. That's enough for them to be good enough on offense, right? And on the offensive end, you know, they're okay on twos and okay on threes. I think they have some sneaky good shooters 
on their team. They just don't have the consistency there from their high-volume guys necessarily. But on the offensive end, they don't offensive rebound that much. They get back in, in on defense, which is why their defense is so good. Um, their effective field goal percentage isn't particularly great, 23rd best in the league. So they get their shot and they get back. So if that is the game where it's a lot of one and duns and their defense is really stingy and their offense is kind of rough, if you have more chances than them, you have you know a built-in advantage, right? So I think it's going to be important for the Pacers to, to win the turnover battle and do their best on the offensive glass against a team that is good on the defensive glass. The Rockets uh, are eighth in turnovers. They don't turn it over that much, uh, but they don't force turnovers that much either, right? So they have a, they do a lot of stuff that suggests they really focus on their defense, which is good. They really needed to, and that's worked out for them. Uh, but I think it's going to be important for the Pacers and the Rockets, really, to really lock in on taking care of the ball, on getting as many extra rebounds as possible, fighting for those little effort plays, because that can be the difference between, you know, three extra shots, for example, could be the difference between winning and losing in a game like this, where one team's going to try to set the style, right? The Rockets use Shangun as a hub, and their defense is really tough, and they get back and don't like to allow transition. Nobody likes to allow anything, but they don't like to allow transition. They take care of the ball. All stuff that's, like, not the fastest team in the world, right? They do not have a ridiculous pace, uh, basketball reference has their pace at 25th. Obviously, the Pacers love to play fast. <laughs> after makes, after misses, <laughs> whenever they can, they're trying to get ahead. They're trying to get into their offense as early as they can on the shot clock so that they can get a shot up quickly. If it's an open look, whatever's in the shot clock, they're taking it, right? That's all great. That's worked for them. They're the best offense in NBA history. But the Rockets are a good defensive team. They want to play slow. So the turnovers can help set the tone or any sort of stylistic thing that helps the Pacers set their pace can set the tone for a game where possessions are going to be really important. The quality of them is, of course, important too, but having more of them in a game like this where you know styles are clashing so much is going to be really important. I think another thing that's going to be interesting to me is the Rockets have been getting a lot out of Alperin Shengun. He might be an all-star this year. I, if I had a vote... I might vote for Al Prince and Shingun as an all-star. Uh, that's just be He's been just spectacular. That dude can pass. That dude can bang bodies down low with his rebounding. He's scoring over 20 points a game. He's moderately efficient while doing it. He's really good. And being able to play through a big man like that while having the passing of Fred Vidvliet on your team and having guys like Dylan Brooks shooting well from three. Jabari Smith is shooting well from three. Tari Eason is shooting well from three. Aaron Holiday and X-Pacer shooting pretty well from three. Right, That's a lot of bodies who are pretty tough to play off of in that style. So, And most of those names I just said are good defenders. All of a sudden, it's like, man, it's really hard to find space to score and then get back on defense and shut down a team that's going to cut you to death and have a post-up threat and all this stuff. So Miles Turner uh, doing what he can to make Shingu not able to just back him down, get to whatever spot he wants and let the Rockets run their plays is going to be important. Everybody's team defense has to be good because the Rockets are going to try to cut. They're going to try to get to their spots. And then whoever's on Van Vliet, not letting him initiate, making it take a little longer for the Rockets to get into their stuff. I think all that's going to be important because they do have solid shooters up and down the roster. So if they can set up, if they can run a play, if they can get an open look, right? I know their three-point percentage as a team is 19th, but they have enough guys that you're scared of, right? Like I just named five guys who have over 38% from deep. Like that that's a threatening team. So the Rockets are good. Their defense is impressive. They have big wings, and that is generally a recipe for disaster for the Pacers. Dylan Brooks, Jabari Smith, Tari Eason, Jayshon Tate, you know, these are all bigger wings. They also have some smaller wings, like Aaron Holiday. For example, Ahmed Thompson's back for them. He's a bigger wing. But they don't have any of, like, the dominant 
going to punk you all game kind of wings, or even guys who you're like really scared of their scoring. Right now, Jabari Smith, I think, will get there. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if the Pacers can contain them. They did better in the second half against the Magic's big wings, although it wasn't enough. Uh, maybe they're taking a small stride there. They did good against the Hornets' big wings. These are lower-quality wings. Uh, but can they do well against the Rockets' wings? That's been a kryptonite for them all season. So there's a lot of ways the Rockets fit the blueprint of a team that can beat the Pacers and has beaten the Pacers often this season. But the Pacers' offense can help them beat anybody. So if they can play their possession game, have their possessions, get into their stuff and set the pace of the game, they can win. So I think it's going to be important for them to take care of the ball. I think the possession game is my key thing in this one. Tyrese Halburn cleaning up the turnover, something he's talked about doing Basically for 10 days now, since the in-season tournament, really, he's not been happy with his turnovers. If he can take care of the ball tonight, I think that's going to be important. If Bruce Brown, who's questionable, if he plays him taking care of the ball, Nemhard taking care of the ball, everybody, that'll be important. And any rebounding advantage will be significant as well. If the Rockets dominate the boards and get the extra chances, that's going to hurt the Pacers, who can try their best to probe and push and transition. But if they're allowing offensive rebounds, they're in a lot of trouble. We'll see what happens. But will the Pacers avoid being under 500 for the first time all season? We'll talk about it tomorrow here on the Lockdown Pacers podcast. Before you get out today, we're going to talk about the G League, the Mad Ants, who did awesome in the Winter Showcase portion of the season. They won 14 games in a row, but lost the big one. They lost the big kahuna to the Westchester Knicks. Jairus Walker doing some good stuff. We'll talk about it all to close out today's show. Before we do that, though, we are going to talk about the lovely people over at Game Time who make the ticking, uh, ticket, excuse me, buying experience so much easier. I should know because I use it. Went to New York City with my fiance. We wanted to see the New York Liberty play while we were there. So I use Game Time to buy the tickets. And why is it the best? Well, I know I'm getting the best price. I know what I'm going to be able to see when I get there. And I know exactly what I'm paying. There's no more guesswork, right? I used to buy tickets in other places, including some places I still unfortunately have to sometimes. And there's hidden fees. You don't know exactly what you're paying. You don't know what you can see from the seat. You can just tell where the section is in the arena. And you don't know if you should be checking other ticketing sites to get the best price. Well, Game Time fixes literally every problem that you could have with other sites. You can see exactly what the view is going to be. It shows you. And mine was very accurate. They have their best price guarantee, the Game Time guarantee, which means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section row for less elsewhere, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. And with no hidden fees, there you go. The all-in process shows your total upfront. You know you're getting a great deal. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use the code LOCKDOWNNBA for $20 off your first purchase. How about that? Terms apply. But again, create an account and redeem the code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off at Game Time. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Back here on Lockdown Pacers, thanks for making us your first listen today and every single day. For your second listen, check out Lockdown Rockets with Jackson Gallon, one of the best in the biz. Jackson and I hung out a lot in Vegas at Summer League last summer. He was also there covering the Rockets and a bunch of their young guys. And Jermaine Samuels, former Mad Ant, who is now on a two way with the Rockets. Great guy. Great coverage of Houston's team and the Pacers' opponents tonight. Check that out for your second listen. And speaking of the Mad Ants and Jermaine Samuels, unintentionally awesome segue. The Mad Ants is what we're going to close out today's show with because they had a nice week last week, including several Pacers. Very interesting timing on all that, which we'll get to. But the Mad Ants played in the Showcase Cup, the Winter Showcase Cup playoffs last week down in Orlando. They were the top seed. They were 14 and, or excuse me, 15 and 1. Entering the tournament, their one loss was the home opener. So the first game I went to, they lost. They played the Windy City Bulls. They were up 10 in the fourth quarter with like eight minutes to go, and they blew it and lost by five. 
And then they won every other game they played <laughs> until the playoffs started. They're like the Pacers. Their, their offense is phenomenal, but they're unlike the Pacers. Their defense is pretty good. They have some vets, right? I've talked about the Mad Ants on the show. If you've never, if you need a refresher, Alfred Payton, formerly of the Suns, when they went to the finals, lottery pick with the Magic, top 10 pick with the Orlando Magic a long time ago, is on that team. He's their steady hand at point guard. He missed early season with an injury, but he's been playing well. Jordan Bell, former champion with the Warriors. I mean, he was blocking shots everywhere during the the, the Showcase Cup postseason. He had some huge rebounds in their semifinal win over the College Park Skyhawks. He's looked good for them. Obviously, they had all the 2A guys, so Shebway and his rebounding and post-finishing. Kendall Brown with a game winner, his athleticism. And Isaiah Wong, who they're hoping to develop as a point guard type, but, but he's a scoring guard right now. They were all down there, and they also had Ben Shepard and his shooting and scoring ability from the Pacers, and Jarris Walker, who played very well and is doing a little bit of everything. So it's funny because they sent Walker and Shepard down last Monday like to get reps, to play, feel that conditioning, and then they found out later in the day that Turner was hurt, right? They found that in the afternoon. So it was tough for them logistically to get Walker back. They probably could have used him for the Pacers that night, right after his good stretch in the NBA – Right, he played well against Timberwolves and, and Wizards. They wanted him to keep that momentum going in the G League, but they could have used him in the pros. Right, they were down two centers uh, and some other guys, but the timing didn't work out logistically. They didn't know until it was too late about Miles Turner's injury to make that happen. They considered it, but they didn't, and that worked out for Walker. I think I'll start with him. He played really well down there. I mean, he was named to the sh- the All Showcase team, which is the top five guys. Down at the G League Showcase, Brandon Goodwin of the Westchester Knicks, that's the team that beat the Mad Ants in the title game, was the MVP. But Trevel and Queen, a Mad Ant last year, Darius Baisley, former NBA player, Jonte Porter, former NBA player, Ed Walker, that was the, the, the five on the team. In his three games down in the knockout rounds, Walker averaged 21.7 points, 5.7 rebounds, and 2.3 assists. He made 42% of his shots and 36, critically here, 36.4% of his threes. That was over three games. He had 31 in the first game. He made no threes in the second game, 0 for 8. But the other two games were good enough that he had an above-average three-point percentage. Um, on the season with the Mad Ants, six appearances. He's at over 32 minutes a game. He's averaging 24 points, 2.8 assists, 5.5 rebounds, making 50% of his shots, 38.5% of his threes, 72.2% of his foul shots. A couple things that have, have stood out. I've talked about some of them here. As like with the pros, his passing stands out as a good skill right now. Which is in point for him as a point forward. Like, like if he was out there when they're blitzing Halberton, I think that would be good. His defense, though, has not been very solid. Kalen Cooper posted some clips of this. And Jarris Walker admitted this, right? We talked to him uh, over the weekend. Dustin Opierik and I talked to him at his locker before the Pacers played the Magic. I'll have some of those quotes in the story pretty soon. But, like, he knows he's been gambling too much on defense, right? Like, he's got to be more solid. He's got to stick to his instincts. And when he does gamble, this always has impressed me and, and has stood out as a positive trait for him long term. Like, when he has to drift back into a play, he always is going to the right spot. Like, his instincts are really good. He knows where to be. He knows how to be disruptive no matter where he starts a moment from. But he's too aggressive sometimes or he's too, like, lazy. Like, going for a steal is not lazy, but it kind of is, if that makes any sense. Like, you're intentionally hurting your team by going for a less than 50% play. So in some ways it's lazy, like you're giving up on defending correctly, but in other ways it, it's the home run play. Um, he's he's got he's a defensive playmaker in that way, but he does it at the wrong time sometimes. and So he's definitely got to work on his defense. It's really interesting given what he was as a prospect that that's the case right now. But he, he's playing well offensively. His passing looks good. His shooting off the dribble looks more comfortable than catch and shoot right now, but he's making enough of them, like 38.5% from three is nice. So as long like. Uh, the hallmark of an NBA player is if you're in the G League, you look better than everybody. 
And Jairus Walker, who's 20, does, right? So that's good. That's a good sign. And that comes right after, of course, his great stretch with the Pacers. Uh, we'll see if that leads to time in the pros. The difference between now and the past is he's shown a couple of good things, right? I still don't, like, people are still going to say, why isn't he playing? He'd help them on defense. I don't think that I still, and will maintain for probably a lot of the season, I don't think he can help them on defense. But I still think, from a development perspective, trying to find him, and it's something the Pacers should do, right? They're 500 now. Like, the whole earn it, earn your minutes thing has fallen apart a little bit as they've started losing, and Jarrett Walker played well in his opportunities for them. So I think if I was the Pacers, I would now be trying to find him minutes. Um, I'd understand why they wouldn't, especially as they're a little desperate to get some wins. But excuse me, my chair just made another noise. What Two shows in a row where my chair is really loud. But Jarrett played well. Uh, one of the best five players, obviously. That's why he was named to that team. Good for him and the Mad Ants. Ben Shepard had strep uh, for him, so it was a little tougher for him to play in every game. He did not play in their first round game. I believe he started playing again when they made the... Uh, I just spelled his name wrong. Uh, he, he started playing well in their second game uh, when they played the College Park Skyhawks. He's played five G League games this season. He's at 16.2 points per game on 43-34-82 shooting splits, but his passing has been good, uh, and his rebounding for for a guard has been good. So we'll see what that's going to mean for him, but he played well as well. Shibway was a beast on the glass, as you'd expect. Isaiah Wong had some rough moments, and Caleb Brown... Kendall Brown just looks more mature, right? That's how I would describe him. Like, he's not as all over the place or, like, just running to catch back up to a play because he's out of it. He just looks like he's more into it, understands what he needs to be, has a year of experience under his belt. I have, uh, there's a, if you're watching on YouTube, uh, I interviewed him at the Mad Ants game a couple weeks ago. I got to put the first minute up there, but then there was too much noise next to me to keep recording it on video. Um, you can hear a little bit from him about his early season with the Mad Ants so far. Mad Ants are really good. They lost the title game to the Westchester Knicks. Their third quarter just absolutely killed them. Their offense failed them. Their offense has usually been fantastic this season. It was great in overtime in the semifinals to beat the College Park Skyhawks. Great Kendall Brown dunk to win it. If you're going to check out the Mad Ants, you're going to be watching NBA talent, first of all, right? Guys, the Pacers that could be Pacers or are Pacers right now. And then seeing who could be something over Peyton, Jordan Bell, some other guys I like, Pedro Bradshaw, for example, um, is just worth watching. They have NBA talent on that team. They have guys who could impact the Pacers in the not-so-distant future. They're worth checking out, especially as the rookies uh, get some run down there. We'll see if that continues. They restart their regular season uh, tomorrow, the 27th, for you listening. If you're listening past the 26th, they restart uh, the Mad Ants to the regular season now on the 27th. And we'll have coverage of that when necessary here on the Locked On Pacers podcast. Thank you all a ton for listening today. It is my Christmas, and I'm excited to get back to the family. But I had to talk about the Pacers. I can't help it. It has to be a daily show, and it's going to happen. If you have any questions or anything you think I should talk about, hey, hit me up. I'm on Twitter at Tony R. East, and the show is at Locked On Pacers. Back tomorrow, talking Pacers Rockets, whatever happened in the game, and one other topic about the team. It will be my last uh, remote location show of the year, I believe. Uh, so that's exciting. We'll be back on the normal setup after that. But until then, thank you guys a ton for listening. Hope you're having a fun day with your families or a fun time away from work for a little bit. Till tomorrow, everybody, have a great rest of your day.